Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Matthew chapter 5, this uh, story perhaps, uh, it's, I know it's a couple of months old, and maybe you had uh, seen it and maybe even mentioned it in your own ministry, but uh, it's a story about a man his name is Aaron Ralston, who uh, had his right arm pinned under an 800-pound boulder. As he was descending the canyon alone in Utah's Canyonlands National Park, he tried to chip away at the rock and throw his body against it to free himself. He says, at no point was I ever able to get the boulder to budge even microscopically. He told reporters who gathered at the St. Mary's Hospital in Grand Junction, Colorado, where he's recuperating. After three days, he ran out of food and water and decided to amputate. But when he started started sawing on his arm with a dull knife, he couldn't even cut a hair. Two days later, he realized he had to amputate the arm or he would die. It occurred to me that I could break my bones, he said. So he snapped the radius above the wrist and kept twisting his arm until the ulna broke. A few minutes later, then he amputated. It took an hour. I felt pain, and I coped with it, he said. But a new challenge began. Once he finally freed himself, he tended to the wound with a hardly made tourniquet and using only his left arm, repelled to the canyon floor where he hiked seven miles until he was found by searchers. He said he kept thinking about his family and friends, and there was a presence in that canyon. I felt the presence of my family and friends. He said, he's alive today because he cut off his own arm. And this immediately brings to our minds some of the words of Jesus Christ that have to do not only just with our surviving for this life, but our surviving for the life to come. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 27. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body shall be cast into hell. I want to talk about spiritual amputation from this passage of Scripture, and we want to consider, first of all, the trap. The word that uh, you see in your text, 
that says if your eye offend thee or if your right hand offend thee is a word that has a particular meaning. This is Jesus talking, right? This is Jesus who is your creator. We talked this morning that uh, to our wives that they could have a trust that God would do right by them as they obeyed their creator, the one who created them. Well, this is the creator talking again. This is the son of God. This is the one who made you. And when he's speaking these words, he's not talking to the sinners. He's not talking to, to the multitudes. He's talking to the disciples. Right now, he's talking to the cream of the crop. You could say that this is a conference sermon. He's ministering to the disciples. He's ministering to James and John and Peter and Andrew and Bartholomew and Matthew. These are the people that he is addressing. And he uses the word offend or offense. This is the Greek word, I'm sure you know, scandalizo or scandalon. The verb means to entrap, to trip up figuratively, to stumble transitively or to entice to sin, apostasy or displeasure to make to offend. The noun means a trap stick, a bent sapling or a snare. Physic figuratively, the cause of displeasure or sin, occasion to fall of stumbling, offense, the thing that offends or a stumbling block. So there is like a twofold meaning to this word. It means something that causes to stumble, but its essential meaning is something that traps you, not something that simply causes you to trip and stumble, but something that captures you. We want to bring out that essential thought tonight because we're talking about a trapping, a snaring. There is a catching force of this word. And this is where Mr. Ralston is in our story. He didn't just trip over a rock. He is trapped by a rock. And he is trapped in a trap that is beyond all human power to move. The trap that he is in is beyond his strength to set himself free. He said these words, at no point was I ever able to get the boulder to budge even microscopically. And so we're talking about something more, Jesus is talking about something more than just would cause you to fall and stumble one time. That is not, that that's fine and that's okay, but Jesus is talking about something far, far more serious than that. He is talking about People who are run the risk of becoming trapped, of becoming ensnared, of becoming enslaved. Not just a one-time infraction, but the possibility of being trapped and held, and held by something more powerful than you yourself can get free from. Sin has an addictive power to it. Jesus says, He that commits sin is a slave to sin. In trapping power, there is power to hold 
and hold with such strength that you cannot get free. That what can happen is a pattern of sin can develop in the individual's life. That in the process of time, the power of that thing wraps around you to the place that you can no longer get free. See, I know people tonight who allowed a bitter attitude towards one individual to begin to so dominate their entire life and personality that not only could they not get free, but that hatred began to extend to all kinds of other people and ensnared them and entrapped them, and they're no longer saved, no longer living for God because they became ensnared, trapped. There are things that have an addicting nature. You perhaps remember a couple of months ago, right about the same time as this event, that there's a man by the name of William Bennett. We've appreciated Mr. Bennett's writings and his leadership and certain moral issues, but it came out that William Bennett over the last 10 years has gambled with eight million dollars. He says that he's sorry about that and he's not going to do it anymore. Well, we'll see. Because that's an addiction. That's an addiction. And we'll see how successfully Mr. Bennett is able to extricate himself from that addiction. Drugs have the power to hold you in thrall. They have the power to ensnare and entrap you. And this is true for illegal drugs, but it's also true for the legal kind. You know, I live right uh, just north of Mexico and uh, can go right over the border and get drugs. People all the time go for drug runs. <laughs> And the sad thing about that is that folks can find legal drugs and become addicted, become enslaved, because sin has an addicting power. Of course, what Jesus is referring to in this text is something else. The same principle applies. He's talking about lust. He says that lust has an addictive power to it. Pornography can trigger chemistry inside of you that is similar to a rush from cocaine. And you think that you can dabble with that and be involved in that. It's like the person who takes a hit of crack for the first time and then is hooked from that moment forward. See, I don't know about you, you, you know, First time I got drunk, I wanted to get drunk every day. First time I got high, I smoked pot a few times before it worked. Worked? Uh, before it... Uh... <laughs> but when it kicked in, I wanted to get high every day. And my life was a ragged mess before I was set free from that in my salvation. See, pornography releases something inside of you. It has an addictive power. 
can come through the television set, right? The appetite can just come through the television set, begin to trigger things inside of you that create a greater appetite. We have the internet, you know, all the filth and unspeakable wickedness that is now accessible through that child pornography. All of these things, it's not even fully coming out, all the filth and the ungodliness. You know, as an example today, some pastor, former pastor here in the valley, this is just in the paper last week, can't even describe to you in mixed company what this man was involved in over the internet. Trapped, hooked, addicted. Television is programmed to be addictive. Okay, television set, the images change every three seconds. There's images. There is. There are things that are there, and the purpose is to get you there and to keep you hooked on that. All the images that are there. And what we're talking about, what Jesus is talking about, is not just if your eye just caused you to fall down one time. That's not good, but that's not the full force. He's saying there is the potential that you could be ensnared. Ensnared with such a force holding you that you cannot get free. You can't get free. Again, we're not talking now to sinners, right? We're going to say, hey, just get saved and Jesus will set you free. We're talking about Christians who already were set free. And he's talking to disciples and he's saying, disciples, you can get yourself in a place where you can't get free. I want to talk about, secondly, the burning issue here. Because we're dealing with Jesus' teaching. We're just dealing with His words. I'm not trying to be uh, s- sensational here. I'm not trying to, to uh, create uh, some uh, morbid atmosphere. These are the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he, the words that He is using here can mean to stumble, but they certainly mean to trap. And we can use these words to say if you give yourself, allow these things to lay hold of you, it could really mess up your life. But Jesus isn't talking about messing up your life. He's being very specific. He's talking about you and I, disciples, pastors, ending up in hell. You and me. You know, as I was praying in the prayer room tonight, the, a thought came to my mind, and I'm, uh, I had it, I wrote it down and put it later in my sermon, but I did. Out of this conference, there are going to be some people that are going to go out from this place and save, through their ministry, save many people from hell. And there are going to be some people that are going out of this conference that will end up in hell. 
And there are going to be some that will do both. Listen to me. That was the thing that struck me. There are going to be some that will do both. They'll go and start off with a successful, fruitful ministry. But before it's over, we're not just talking about you might lose your ministry. We're talking about that one day you would be in hell. Jesus isn't saying, hey, don't hate because you might get arthritis. He's he's not saying don't gamble because you might lose your house or don't drink because you might lose your license. Don't mess around with immorality because you could get pregnant or get AIDS. All of that stuff can happen. Remember being at a funeral service for a man in the Prescott Church. Saved, beautiful family. Went back to his hometown, home city back in the East Coast for a little bit and fell in with his own crowd just one night, just slammed some heroin just for old time's sake, came back, you know, got his heart right with God. God forgives, thank God. But he had shared a needle with an HIV-positive man that night, contracted AIDS, and I, there at his funeral, there he is, he's laid out. Beautiful family, young children, one time, just one time. We showed a film uh, in our music scene one night about different folks who contracted AIDS. The picture of uh, one of the stories was of a young woman, apparently a very moral woman by her own testimony, been a beauty queen kind of movie star or television star anyways, I guess. And uh, she was engaged to this man and loved this man and, uh, you know, they were going to get married one of these days and he kept pushing her and pushing her to sleep with him and she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. No, I'm not going to do it. We're, we're going to wait until we're married. But finally, he prevailed and she slept with him and then he began to despise her and hate her, never would talk to her or see her again. After a little while, she began to get very ill and he had given her AIDS. One time, moral person. The story was very heart-wrenching. There she's talking about all the cancers that she's been through. She's wearing adult diapers for incontinence. She can't even control her own bowels. And here's... A person who had at one time was a very attractive person, a very successful and very dynamic personality. She's saved now, loves God, but lives a miserable existence. Those are the things that can happen. But we're talking about something that makes AIDS look like a walk in the park. I'm not trying to be sensational. I, we In our music scene the other night, uh, one of our musicians uh, they had a song about hell. He just began and he was saying, you know what, I think about this song. I I think about what would happen to me if somebody poured gasoline on me and ignited that flame. What would go through my mind? He said, the only thing I could think is, well, in a few moments it'll all be over. This this is going to be agony, but pretty soon I'm going to die and then it's going to be over. And then he thought, you know, but in hell it's not going to be like that. In hell that agony is going to go on and on and on forever and ever and ever. Our minds just boggle. We can't fully even comprehend that. But that's not 
us trying to be sensational. That's us trying to be faithful to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ that He's speaking to disciples. Jesus said in this text, not you'll lose your ministry. He said you'll run the risk of going to hell. Better that you do this than your whole body be cast into hell. Matthew 18, 9 says, And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Mark 9, 47, If thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. See, sometimes we think, you know, I, I don't want i got to be careful. I could lose my ministry. I could lose my marriage. I could lose my family. I could, uh, uh, you, you know. And those are horrible and tragic things. But Jesus is taking us past that. He's saying there, there are, there's something worse. There's something worse. That is that disciples could end up in hell. See, this man in this story is willing to deal with the fact that unless there was some action on his part, he was going to die. After three days, he ran out of food and water and decided to amputate. But when he started sawing on his arm with a dull knife, he said he couldn't even cut a hair. Two days later, he realized he had to amputate the arm or he would die. See, this man is just like many Christians. They know they got a problem. They know they've got a problem. They come to the altar and start sawing on the arm. Ow! Ow! I know I should get rid of that TV, but ow! Ow! And they back off. See, two days later, this man understood something. If I don't do something, I'm going to die. And then you know what? It's not going to matter. Nothing else is going to matter. If I am dead, nothing else matters. Jesus said, you are going to die. The worst death, the second death, in a lake of fire for eternity. Tonight, there are those that you need to wake up to this reality. Wake up that this is Jesus talking to you tonight. Some will leave this place to save multitudes from hell. Others will leave this place and end up in hell, and some will do both. The sin that you dabble in, has the power to slowly wrap itself around you to the place that you cannot be free. And that means a future for you, not just at AA meetings, not just at Pornography Anonymous meetings. That means you're being dragged inexorably, irresistibly into hell where you cannot break free. So I thought Jesus had the power. Yeah, he, he does. But these words have to mean something. 
These words mean something. See, Samson kept playing and kept playing. But one time he shook himself and he couldn't get free. From then on, he couldn't be free until he perished. I want to close with a radical procedure that we see from this text. See, the human mind has an infinite capacity to deceive itself. Right? We are brilliant at self-deception. I can quit any time. I can handle it. You stumble and fall for the umpteenth. Oh, well, you know what? I just, uh, I didn't pray that day. If I had prayed that day, I probably wouldn't have stopped. I'm just going to be sure I pray every day. And, well, I didn't read my Bible that day, and so I fall again. Well, you know what? I really didn't get into the church service last night and really, really worship, worship God. And so next, I got to remember. And so you are addressing an issue on a spiritual plane or the strengthening of your new nature plane, which is certainly a, an issue and certainly, uh, crucial, but see, you're not just a spirit. You don't have just a new nature. You've got an old one. And all the prayer in the world is not going to make that one go away. All the worship choruses you can sing till your horse are not going to take that one away. Jesus says, you're going to have to get radical. You're going to have to get radical. You're going to have to pluck it out. You're going to have to cut it off. He says, it occurred to me that I could break my bones. So he snapped the radius. So you've got two bones, you know, in your forearm. The radius is this one by your thumb. And he snapped that one and then kept turning around and turning around and turning until he finally broke the ulna. He broke them both. And then he amputated. It took an hour to saw off his arm. It was, he said, I felt pain and I coped with it. Because what was the alternative? The alternative was death. He's alive. He lives. That's a great thing. I saw a picture, maybe you saw it, it was on the front page of the Arizona Republic a couple of months ago. And there he is. He's walking through what looks like to be the foyer of a hospital. And uh, he's got one arm doing fine. And then he's got another arm in a sling. And it's just a stump. And then it dawns on you. This really happened. He really cut the thing off. It's just a stump. He didn't cut it off and then stick it back on again. It was still stuck behind the rock. I noticed that it was his right hand. Now, some of you, that's the hand that you use. Pastor Campbell and I, we don't use that hand. We use our left hand. But uh, some of you, that's your, your hand. And that's what Jesus is talking about. If your right hand, that's the one you need the most. Your right eye, the one that you need the most. You know, I don't know what this man would do, but maybe he was a tennis player. He's not playing tennis anymore. Right? There's some things that he is not going to be able to do anymore. 
right? Not going to be able to clap his hands. His life is limited now, right? He had to make a decision to say, you know what? From this point on, there are some things I will never do again. And my life is, I'm going to have to sacrifice those things and I'm never going to get to do those things again. But if I decide I don't want life without being able to do those things, I'm not going to have any life at all. And see, that's the decision that many of you are being confronted with tonight. There's some things that you have to choose you are never, ever going to do again. There are some liberties that you are going to decide you are never going to take again because the potential of involvement of those things is going to expose you to something that if you're not very careful can trap you and take you to hell. What is life without Movies, what's life without TV? What's life without? It's life. (laughs) Amen. I don't know if you realize this, but before 50 years ago, people had life. Before there was such a thing as a television set. It's amazing. I don't know what they did with their time. Jesus said, this is is your right hand. This is the one you really feel like you need to make it in life. I mean, how can I live without my right hand? The problem is, you don't give up your right hand, you're not going to live at all. Now, perhaps I need to say, we're not talking about literally cutting your hands off or plucking your eyeball out. I I know there might be some new converts here and after... (laughs) After I preached this, my seven-year-old son came to me a little bit shaken, and, and uh, <laughs> I assured him, uh, and I said, what do you have to cut it off for, Connor? Uh, and <laughs> the New Living Translation says, so if your eye, even if it is your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. And if your hand, even if it is your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. You want to be able to do whatever you want to do? You want to maintain a life that you can do whatever you want to do? The alternative is no life at all. The message translation, very interesting in this text, you know the next commandment pretty well, too. Don't go to bed with another, another spouse. But don't think you've preserved your virtue simply because by staying out of bed, your heart can be corrupted by lust even quicker than your body. Your heart can be corrupted by lust even quicker than your body. Those leering looks you think nobody notices, they also corrupt. Then he says these words, let's not pretend this is easier than it really is. Okay, let's not pretend that it's just really easy to get the victory over lust. 
Okay, Let, let's not pretend. If you want to live a morally pure life, here's what you have to do. You have to blind your right eye the moment you catch it in a lustful leer. You have to choose to live one-eyed or, or else be dumped on a moral trash pile. To be dumped on a moral trash pile. The Arizona Republican writing about this made this statement, talking to experts about this. And what, they, what the experts say is most people will not do this. Most people, they'll stand and they won't do it. They'll just curl up and die. Think of that. Would you do it? Most people would just say, hey, it's too painful. It's too difficult. And they just curl up and die. Most Christians, most Christians curl up and die. I wish I didn't have to say that. But most people who make a decision for Jesus Christ, even get baptized in water, don't go on and make heaven their home. Sin encircles them. They don't take precautions. And then they say it doesn't work. Maybe you've seen this article. There, there is uh, now a program in Arizona with all these gambling facilities that have been raised up that you can actually sign up on a program that if you show up on the grounds of a casino, they'll arrest you and throw you in jail. You sign up for this because you want them to do this. Now, why would anybody want that? Well, if you're the guy that lost $380,000 of his own money and then extorted $120,000 more, then you'd rather spend a night in jail than get into a casino. Apparently, they do this in Missouri, and there's like 12,000, some incredible amount of people that have signed up for this thing. Why? Because they're hooked by something that they themselves cannot be free from. See, there's just, you know, as I was looking in this text again, again in the prayer room, and I honestly, I don't know if this is a valid interpretation. I gotta, I'm just going to throw it out for you to study. The footnote in the King James on offend says, Cause thee to offend. Perhaps that's talking about if what you do with your eye or what you do with your hand causes other people to stumble. That you could wind up in the same demise. You know, Jesus said, offenses will come, but what one to them through whom they come? If you cause one of these little ones to stumble, better that a millstone be put around your neck and cast into the depths of the sea. See, I don't know if this is Jesus is bringing this thought here, but our morals are not just about what keeps us out of hell. Our morals need to be a, what helps our example to keep other people out of hell too. If by our liberty our brother in Christ perishes, then we're held accountable for that. See, are there things that you've got to cut loose? Not just say, well, I'm going to moderate or I'm going to limit or I, you know, I, I, you know, I, 
yeah, I just need to pray more. I, I, I just need to uh, listen to praise tapes more. And uh, that somehow that you're going to address this. No, it is a sin issue and it has to be radically severed from your life. It was part of the article that wasn't really developed and, and perhaps there was no more to it, but I was just interested. Because the gentleman was talking about the, the day that he finally decided that he had to do this, there was like a presence, like a assistance that he felt that aided him to do this. And the article brought out that that was the national day of prayer and fasting in America. And that there were people that were praying and fasting for him. They didn't even know where he was, but that he would be helped and he would be free. You know, we're not just left to ourselves. God will help you. God can help you. There is life after television. <laughs> there's BTV and there's ATV. Before television, after television, there is, there is life. And the alternative, the alternative is so devastating that it is not to be toyed with and it's not to be played with. There are things that are cursing our generation. Pornography is cursing our generation. Illegitimacy is cursing our generation. And the things that you read about in your newspapers today, it, it's like, you know, I'm not that old, but I don't, in my lifetime, the perversions and the mutations and the horrors that are now daily, they, how, how did we get there? We got there by what we're talking about right now. Evil imaginations incited by things that are placed before the eyes. People made of the same stuff you are made of that have been caught up in unspeakable actions, humiliating, horrifying, lethal. But worse than that, there is an eternity that stretches before them without Jesus Christ. I had a number of sermons that I was toying with preaching tonight, and I, I don't know. I know this is something that gets ministered on again and again. But I did sense something tonight as I'm praying in that prayer room. There's some tragedies that are in the future if you don't heed the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. If your eye, your hand, has continued to cause you to stumble, you better do some radical, radical surgery tonight. Tonight. Because if you don't, that thing's going to catch you in a way that you cannot get free. I said you can't get free. Jesus' words mean something. Couldn't get free. And you live helplessly until you perish forever and ever and ever. Jesus will help you. He'll help you now. Take his help before it's too late. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up 
at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.